Philippians chapter 3, I'll just kind of buzz this one here. Um, you know, I, I'd encourage you to be reading this on your, your own at home. You know, uh, it's always amazing what God will show each one of us, you know, and, and um, he knows you and he knows me and, and he, um, he'll speak to you. He'll show you things that, you know, all of us that we need to know. Uh, just reading here, though, in verse 17, I'll read it. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping, that are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, and whose set their mind on earthly things. So should we camp on that? No, I don't think I'll camp on that for a while. But anyway, it goes, it goes on. It says, our citizenship is in heaven. I like that. That just stands out to me. Yeah. And don't let ever, anything have a bigger place in your life than God. And, and uh, you know, I'm not anti-American, okay? Did you hear me? Everybody looked up. I'm not anti-American, but I'm pro-heaven. And heaven is where my roots are, okay? I live in America, but, you know, the Bible says this. We're just passing through this place. You know, and wherever, wherever you live in this planet, I'm telling you what, if you're a believer, heaven's your home. Yeah. We're ambassadors. We're here on a mission, okay? And, and uh, why do I always get like the Blues Brothers or something in my head when I say that? But anyway, we're here on a mission and it's from God, you know? And it's not just to be cozy and, 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 and make our, 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 you know, stand here. It's to make a stand for what counts for eternity, and, and keep that, you know, some people have said, you know, I used to hear this when I was first a Christian. They'd say, oh, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And, you know, I get what they're saying. Some people are on a, a they're like space cadets or whatever, but, but in, even in Christendom, you know. And, but really, the truth is, if you're, if you're really heavenly minded, you're going to be a whole lot of earthly good. You know, it's when people get too religiously minded that they're no earthly good, okay? But, but I tell you, if you're, if you're really focused on heaven and getting your connection straight there, I tell you, you're going to be fruitful wherever you're planted. Yeah. And you're going to make a difference. You're going to make a difference when you walk into the co-op. doesn't mean you need to stand on the apple crate and preach Jesus to everybody that walks in. That would be an interesting sight. And I'm not recommending that, you know, unless God really does tell you. If he does, there'll be fruit more than the produce aisle, okay? <laughs> God bless the co-op. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, you know, I, I, I've got little missions right now I'm on, you know, people that I interact with on a regular basis, you know, and I, I, I do my best to just hear God about how to do it. You know, and, and it doesn't, sometimes it might not look like I'm doing anything, but usually I'm thinking about it and praying about it before I meet them and just keeping my antenna up, looking for any kind of crack or crevice that I can go, yeah, there it is, you know. And, you know, it's like I always have this card I can play like, 
what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a pastor, pastor of love church, you know, and I hold that one back. That's like, you know, I don't, I don't like to just display that one right away because people act different when they find out you're a pastor. I've had this reaction before. Yeah, I'm a pastor. And the other person goes, And they start rolling through their mind all the things they've told me, you know, and prior to that moment, you know, and, and I'm like, come on, dude, I'm just a human being. I'm, I'm a child of God, but, you know, people act different, though. So I try not to even tell them that one. But sometimes I pull that card out because, you know, you got to pull the card you have. But in any case, um, all right, so our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, who, which, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lower, oh, lowly body that it might be conformed to his glorious body. You know, hey, guys, someday we're going to get a new body. And, you know, feel like we can eat all the burritos we want. It isn't going to hurt. I don't know. That isn't probably the goal. But, but I know one thing, you know, Jesus, in his new body, he walked through walls and did all kinds of cool things. I thought that was really neat. And I tell you one thing, I'm going to try that out when I get my new body. I'm going to walk through maybe a brick wall, just see how, how it works. Everything's laid down right. I wanted to just mention this, that last week Pastor Stephen preached. It was very good. And he laid out some really powerful truths that I just want to, I don't do this every week, but I just want to review a couple of them because I think they're worth saying again. And one of them was this, that our prayer lives, <laughs> our prayer lives, what, you know, prayer life right away, people get an idea. Our prayer lives are just our connection with God, you know, and prayer is simply talking to him. Don't make that something it isn't. Don't make it hard and complex. And, and what he laid down and what I wanted to repeat is this. Don't make your prayer life some kind of formula. Okay? Prayer life is not a formula. I love the illustration. You know, it isn't going to a vending machine and pushing Q7 and, you know, getting whatever, Doritos or something. You know, that isn't what prayer life is. Prayer is sitting down at the table. Prayer is sitting down with God. It's having relationship. And, and, you know, human beings, which I am one, uh, we're so funny because we can take anything from God and make it religious. You know it? And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, what kind of human being, Christian are you? I mean, the camp that I've probably identified with for most of my Christian life is called the Word of Faith. We're not exempt from making things religious. We haven't been. We've made things, we've made powerful things of God and we've taken them and made them little formulas. And we shouldn't do that, folks. Really, you boil it all down. Anything we're trying to make something more than just our simple relationship with him, we need to check ourselves. Because that's really what it's all about. It's not about how many verses I can quote in how many different translations, you know? I mean, I love that kind of stuff, but I tell you, that's not what it's about. It's about knowing him. It's about knowing him, getting to know him more, making room for him in our lives. You know, again, I've gone to the Burning Ones a couple times too, and that's a great opportunity that we have this summer on Tuesday nights. You know, Robin, thank you for, for obeying God and leading that. And, and uh, I tell you, it's just time to seek him and, and get more of him. And don't be afraid of that. Another thing that was said last week, I just want to reemphasize, 
Yeah, this is so good. I, I was actually thinking this, and he preached it, and I thought, wow, it's great. Holy Ghost. First I thought, oh, no, that was my line. No. <laughs> I thought, no, I'll say it anyway. You know, that one where it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything give by prayer. And, you know, people, people read things in the word, like don't fear and don't be anxious. And they, they look at that as being a rule instead of a privilege. Did you get that, folks? When he says, don't be anxious, or when he says, don't fear, that isn't like, oh, 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 oh I got to get, get it right now. I don't want to be anxious. Or he says, be healed. Oh, 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 when I had an ache in my shoulder this morning, I must not do something. No, nah, relax, will you? Chill out, Christians. Sometimes he's telling you stuff that's there. Maybe we haven't experienced. Did you ever think this? Did you ever just sit and think this? Maybe there's more to God than I've experienced so far. Could it be? Oh, oh, but I go to church every Sunday. I carry my Bible. Get my points. Come on. Come on, guys. It's not about that stuff. It's about knowing him. I mean, we could sing songs. We don't sing hymns much, but, you know, there's probably hymns that talk about, but, you know, when I've been there 10,000 years, you know, we'll still be going on. We'll still be learning more. And somehow we get the idea that, that we're here on earth for, you know, 100 years or whatever. And we've got it all figured out. That everything God is is within the realm of our experience. Maybe not. Maybe there's a little bit more that we have to experience, you know. Maybe somebody has some great testimony and, and your mind goes tilt and you go, I don't know if that could really be God. Why? Because you haven't experienced it? Let's have hunger. Let's have hunger to know more, to know more of him, to, to, to just dive into, you know, one guy said this. He said this back in like 1930. It was, it was, it, it was Kenyan. He said the, the greatest spiritual giants of our day are ankle deep in the shores of eternity. The greatest spiritual giants are nothing but ankle deep. Wow. You know? <laughs> All right. Philippians 3. Oh, we read that, didn't we? All right. Philippians 4. Let's go there. I'm just going to read this. It says, Therefore, my beloved, longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He goes, I, I implore Judea and I implore, I'm not going to try it. Anyway, <laughs> to be the same mind in the Lord, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement. Every now and then they throw in an easy name, you know, Clement, yeah. And the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord's at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, this is an ongoing thing, this be anxious for nothing. And uh, I mean, I've read that verse for 40 years. I've, I've preached this verse for probably quite a while. 
And, and I still find myself coming up to situations and letting anxiety creep up on me because it's sneaky, okay? It's sneaky. It tries to get in there and it, it tries to introduce itself as it's part of you, you know? It tries to introduce itself like this is your thought. This is your thinking here. Take hold of this. It tries to introduce itself like it's your responsibility right now to be this way. And, and when I do this, I find that, that, you know, when I wake up, I realize, oh my, these are things that I just haven't fully taken to God. Maybe I quickly prayed, maybe I said a, a customary prayer, but I really haven't taken time to connect with him. I really haven't taken time to, you know, just, just, just find out what he's thinking about, what he's speaking to me about stuff. Sometimes God will tell you things. Do you know that? He'll put things in your heart. Sometimes you're praying uh, and, and, and you're just hanging in his presence. You know, and again, prayer, you know, sometimes it's kneeling down. Sometimes for me, you, you, you guys are just, this will blow your mind. But sometimes for me, prayer is just pacing around, walking, you know. I know you can't even picture that. But, but you know, that's often how I talk to God. I walk around. I remember when we, we, we found our house uh, here in Menominee. I was so excited because it like had like a, a center part, but like the rooms were open so I could walk in a complete circle around. You know what I'm talking about? You know, there's like a, we got a pantry that kind of in the kitchen, but you can go from the kitchen to the dining room to the living room and find yourself back in the kitchen. I thought, cool, I like this. I got a path. I can walk all the way around this thing. I can get steps on my step meter while I'm talking to God. Anyway, step meter, whatever. Karen and I, we do that thing, but... Anyway, I won't tell you later how many I got this week. But anyway, Colossians 3, verse 15. I just want to read this one because it kind of pairs. Uh, Paul, you know, he even said this in Philippians. He says he didn't find it grievous to, to say to them the same thing. There were things that just rang in Paul's heart and, and in his mind. And, and he would speak these to, to, to not just one group, to many groups. And he'd sometimes tell the same group the same thing again and again because they were like real to him. They're real, and he's like, I want you guys to get a hold of this. This is, this is God's stuff. And in Colossians 3.15, he says this, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. You know, peace is such an amazing thing, and God wants us to have peace. He wants our hearts to be, you know, it says in Philippians, it says, let it be the guard on your heart. And in Colossians, it says, let the peace of God rule your heart. I know I've brought this out in the past, but the word rule in Colossians means the umpire. And an and umpire, you know, my limited knowledge of sports and baseball, an umpire, I, I, I get this. They stand, they have different umpires, but the one at home plate will stand there. And when the pitcher is throwing the ball, he says if it's a ball or a strike. Strike being, you know, a good pitch. A ball meaning it's outside of the realm of that he should have been throwing it. And, and, and this verse says this, that peace is like an umpire on your heart. And, and so sometimes as you're walking along in life and, 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 and you don't find that peace is there, I mean, sometimes that's God showing you, hey, let's get back in the strike zone. Let's find where, where the will of God is. Find out what I'm supposed to be doing right now, you know, and, and push through push through. Are you out there this morning? Yeah. All right. Then it gets up here into verse 8. Let me, let me, this is kind of where I want to go this morning. 
So, you know, we're talking about prayer and we're talking about, you know, bringing things to God, getting them over from us onto him. And, and uh, that's a lot of times that that's part of what prayer can be. But in verse 8, he says this. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true and whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there's anything else praise, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on these things. Um, I look at that, you know, it's kind of like he's given us a filter in life. You know, there's all kinds of, any one of us, you know, through the course of a day have so many thoughts that bombard our minds. And the situation it seems like that Paul's talking about here are things that come against us that, that would want to make us anxious, would want to make us take fear. And, you know, following the progression of what Paul just taught, he says, hey, you know, guys, first off, go to God. Get connected with him. Get these things over to him. But then he goes on, he says, and finally, as you walk away, you know, you really never walk away from the prayer closet, okay? Prayer isn't something just that you do once, but it's something you live in this reality. You live in this place where you're, you stay connected to him all the time. But as you go from this place of prayer, he says, hey, What's really important right now is you keep your mind right. We talk about peace. We talk about anxiety. He says, here's the key, folks. Get this stuff over on God. And then when you walk on in life, he says, be careful what you think about. And let me give you an example. Things that are pure, lovely, good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, those are things you should think about. If they're not those things, my goodness, Maybe that's something you shouldn't be letting in your mind. You know, it's, it's interesting as a human being that we actually do have control in this area, okay? And we can choose the thoughts that we let stay in our minds. We can certainly choose the, you know, it's, sometimes it's tougher, though, when, when, when you've let a thought in, when you have identified with a thought so, so completely that they almost seem like they're yours. You need, you need the help of God to just say, that's not me. I cast that out. I command that to go. You know, sometimes thoughts come to you and they, they knock on the door of your mind. And, and uh, they come in and they'll make themselves at home. They'll find your chair. Does everybody have their chair? You know, Dana and I both have our chairs. And, you know, we moved the furniture around in our front room, and my chair is over in a different place now. And somehow, somehow the cat has gotten the notion that it can come and sit in my chair. You know, it always sat in Dana's chair. And I'm, I'm getting that cat to renew its mind that, no, no. Anyway, you can choose your thoughts. You know, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes uh, it's, it's easier, it seems easier for some people to, to choose right thoughts. I'll tell you, one key you can have is, is, is have some people in your friend group, you know, that are going to be positive and encourage you. That's good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I heard somebody say that once. So anyway, have somebody in your friend, you know, you know have people in your, your closest group that are going to encourage you. And direct you down the course that you really want to go in life. 
you know? I, I like to always have friends that are out there that, that, that aren't even saved, you know? That, that's cool. That's exciting to me, too. But I don't want them to direct my life, okay? I want to bring direction to them. I want to show them the path to life, not go down some road of destruction, okay? All right. This is all good stuff. This is stuff I'm never outgrowing. This is stuff that is, if, if I've been a Christian for 100 years, you know, and not just 40, I'm still going to have to think and exercise and, and put this stuff into practice in my life. Thinking right is a daily thing. Thinking right, man, it, it's such a, a determining factor in what we see our, seeing our prayers answered. It's such a determining factor in the victory that we experience. You know, Dana used to use this term. She says, I have to cattle rope my mind. I have to cattle rope my thoughts. And I don't even know why she would think this way because she, I've seen her on a horse, okay? I've seen her display her riding skills before like very few people ever have. But, but uh, she's not a cowgirl, okay? She might wear a jean jacket, but she's not a cowgirl. But I, I, I somehow that, that illustration came into her mind that when thoughts come, I have to take them captive. I have to be like that cowboy that has the, I don't even know which way they do it, lassoes. This is me lassoing, all right? Yeah! Gets that thing, ties it up, immobilizes that thing, that little calf who didn't do anything wrong. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> those thoughts left to run wild can do a lot wrong they need to be immobilized they need to be they need to be spotted they need to be exposed and they need to be cast out of our thinking second uh, corinthians uh, chapter 10 it says this it says for though we walk in the flesh we don't war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So, you know, those thoughts I talked about that have kind of come and you've identified with, and man, maybe, maybe they just like seem like part of us. This is where the power of God really comes in. You read this verse and, and pulling down strongholds. People have gone all kinds of directions with that to pulling down strongholds over city. But, but truthfully... Where Paul's given attention here is just pulling down things that have thoughts that we've had in our minds. Thoughts that we've had in our minds for maybe years have become strongholds and they need the power of God to pull them down. Casting down arguments, one verse, version says imaginations. And every and imagine, let me just say this. I, I mentioned that. I think it might even be the King James Version says casting down imaginations. Imagination is not a bad word. Okay? Having an imagination is a God-given gift. How you use that imagination is determined by you. And all Paul's talking about here is sometimes imaginations can run wild with wrong thinking. Okay? You know what, what worry is? Worry is like me praying, only in reverse. Worry is this. You're walking around because you're still pacing, and, and you're thinking every imaginable bad thing that's going to happen and you wear a groove in the floor and it isn't the prayer groove it's the worry groove and this imagination running wild will keep you bound up in life and that's why Paul says these things need to come they need to be cast down 
and any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Uh, you know, again, don't get all wound up about this. Chill out. And, and don't, don't think, oh, oh, but I felt so many wrong. You know what? God is such a master at helping us just pinpoint the one thing. And let's think of God thought here. We'll, we'll go on. I got some more stuff. But, uh, you know, renewing your mind, is, it's simply learning to choose the thoughts you're going to think. Um, it's letting God out of the box. I, I, I got to read this one, too. In Ephesians 4, 23, it says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I, I always like the Jerusalem Bible on that one. It says, Your mind must be renewed by spiritual revolution. So what happens is the man on the inside rises up and says, enough. I've been run by my mind long enough. Now, it isn't that your mind is wrong. You know, thank God you need your mind. Okay? You need, your mind is not your brain either, folks. Can I go there this morning? Your mind is not, your, your brain is like your physical organ in your head. But your mind is, is the thoughts. It's, 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 your, it's your soul, okay? And it's that thing that, that you know, before you're born again, it, most people it runs wild and it runs their life. But when you get born again, you're, you're, the new man on the inside is your spirit. And he stands up and he says, now I'm in charge. And it isn't that you cut your head off and you don't think thoughts anymore, but it's that you get ruled from the inside instead of from up here. And your spirit works mightily through your mind. It's powerful through your mind. Okay? Again, it isn't that your mind is wrong. It isn't that imaginations are wrong. It isn't that it's your head is wrong. Okay? Some people have said, well, if I could just cut my head off, I'd be a good, scripture, a good Christian. No, you'd be dead. You'd go to heaven quick. God's will is that you rise up on the inside, the new person that you are, and you say, I'm, 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 I'm letting this man on the inside stand up. I'm letting God out of the box. I'm letting him out, man. I'm letting him rule in my life. I'm starting to think thoughts that he gives me. I'm starting to think like, well, maybe the Bible is true. Wow. What if it really was? It, it, let me tell you something. It is. It is. And... Uh, I think I'm going to just go right to this. In Matthew 14, Matthew 14, there's a familiar story, but again, it just illustrates what we're talking about this morning so well. In verse 22, it says, As soon as the meal is finished, he insisted that the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. Jesus here. And with the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could get by himself and pray. And he stayed there alone late into the night. And meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them, and they were battered by the waves, and it was about four in the morning. And Jesus came toward them, walking on the water, and they were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. And I was just thinking about this the other day. I was reading it and thinking, you know, sometimes the answer is coming to us. And we don't recognize it. You know what I mean? Sometimes we're, we're, we're in the middle of a storm, and here comes the answer walking right through the storm, and, and, and we don't recognize it. 
you know, but, but God is so merciful. He'll show himself to us in ways that we will if we'll hang on, if we don't run. I'm glad they didn't run, you know, for cover. They didn't ride and hide their heads or something. It says, but Jesus was quick, say quick, to comfort them. He says, uh, courage, it's me, don't be afraid. But Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. And he said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. And when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink and cried out, Master, save me. So what I wanted to just say about it is that even in the midst of the presence of the Lord, we have this ability as human beings that we can lose sight of reality. Even when Jesus himself is there manifesting his presence, you know, bringing peace, bringing all that stuff, you know, if we choose to, we can lose sight of reality that's there. We can lose sight of Jesus in the middle of a storm. Have you ever been there? I've been there. It says, uh, so anyway, um, <laughs> sometimes you're right in the middle of the will of God, you know, and, and thoughts bombard our minds and tell us, you know, we're missing it. Telling us this isn't how it's supposed to be. I mean, I've had times when I've prayed. I've prayed for healing. And, 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 and it didn't seem like I thought it was going to seem. So I entertain other thoughts. And I go other directions. I remember when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I, 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 I spoke in tongues. And, and, and I remember walking away from the, the meeting that night. And I'd had just such a glorious time. But I walked away from the meeting and thoughts bombarded my head. And you know what the thoughts were? They were like this. You didn't get anything real. You, you, you know, everybody else got something real. But you didn't get nothing real there. You better not let anybody ever hear you pray like that. Or they're going to tell you you're, you're off the wall. These are the kind of thoughts that come to people after they've had encounters with God. I won't even ask for hands because probably everybody in here has prayed something, received something from God, and then been robbed of something because of thoughts that have come into their mind. All right? Let me tell you what. You're in good company. Peter did the same thing. Sometimes, sometimes you know, people get born again. People get born again. They, get, they get become brand new cre creatures in Christ Jesus. And then they wake up one day, and they say, man, I don't really even feel saved today. I mean, I've had that before, and I've realized I just need to drink a cup of coffee, and everything comes back. But that's not really true. I'm just kidding, okay? Unless you're drinking out of a love church mug, then that's, that, that could do it. I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. You got to know that. I'm just kidding. But, I mean, people do that. People get born again, and they, they have a thought come to them that they feel bad, they feel guilt, or they feel inferior, or, or, or you know, just, just beat down and think, oh, I don't even know if I'm saved. Hey, these are just thoughts that, that Paul was talking about, that Jesus talks about. Hey, you got to take and you got to caterpillar those thoughts and say, no, what does the word say? What did God tell me? So right in the middle of, of supernatural demonstration of power where Peter's walking on the water, you know, uh, he looks around and he sees this storm that he's been in and, and he begins to sink. But it, in verse 31, it says, Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down, grabbed his hand and said, faint-hearted, what got into you? And, 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 and the good thing, I, I got to see this too, that, that even when he began to sink, 
Even when he walked on the water in the midst of a storm, got his eyes off Jesus, looked at the storm, began to sink again. Some people, again, they'd say, well, I thought if God did it, it would just be done. Hey, we got to think the right thoughts, folks. we got to think God thoughts. It's not a sin. It's not pride to think God thoughts. It's scriptural. It's the instruction. It's following the instructions. Wow. Sometimes you don't feel spiritual when you choose to think God thoughts. Don't let your life be determined by a goosebump. Okay? Sometimes you just do what you know you do. I'm going to think what God showed me. So anyway, Jesus picked him up. What, what got into you, he says. Uh, then the two of them climbed into the boat, and the wind died and, and down, and the disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, they worshiped Jesus and said, this is it. You're the son of God for sure, for sure. Maybe, you're, maybe you've uh, been bombarded. Maybe you've taken wrong thoughts. Well, don't be dismayed. You're not a reject. Tell you what, put your eyes back on Jesus. Start thinking thoughts that come from, from, his, from the word. That's what the Bible is. It's, it's thoughts of God. It's the thoughts of God. It's how we should think about ourselves, about him about our situations in life. Sometimes the situations don't look right. When, when Jesus said, come, you know, and Peter had his eyes fixed, he walked out on the water. But then all of a sudden, he, he realized the situation he was in was a storm. And he got his eyes on that, and he began to sink. Where'd the power of God go? Don't you think if Jesus said it, it would just be, bam, would have nothing to do? But he said, put, he put his eyes back on Jesus. And he rose up, and he walked to the place he was determined to go. Um, I'm going to just read this verse in, 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 in ending today. Philippians 4.9 is such a classic ending verse. It says, The things which you've learned, received, heard, and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. So, you know, peace comes by doing the word. Peace comes by thinking what the Word says. Peace comes by staying connected to God. So i got a couple questions for you this week. Do we have them on the board? Some questions to, to consider as you analyze your thought life this week. One is what kind of thoughts or thought patterns do I entertain that are not rooted in God's love for me? You know, that's just a clincher right there. Are the thoughts you're thinking, are they rooted in God's love for you? That would, that would determine a lot of rejects right there. And then, have I invited the Holy Spirit to interrupt, replace, and lead me out of those thoughts? You know, I would say this. Just make this a thing this week. Ask the Holy Spirit to just show you even one thing that you need to change your thinking on. How would that be? Just, just one thought that you're dealing with. And, and, you know, how do you do that? Well, find out what that thought is and then just start thinking what God says instead of what that thought has been, you know? And then what thought, thoughts or thought patterns can I thank God for already leading me out of? Isn't it good to just look at what God has done, where he's taken us, you know, um, how, how we've cha he's changed us and, you know, he changed us from the inside out. What he did on the inside starts beaming on the outside, and that's a glorious thing. 
Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.